0: Healing happens when it happens, how it happens. You just gotta let it, and you can't force it. You can't make it happen on the schedule that suits you.
1: Welcome back to Let It Out. I'm Katie Dalebout. This year, we decided to do a Let It Out book club for the first time, a summer book club. And my best friend, Carolina, who you guys know, she's done the podcast, friend of ours, was helping me figure out which book to do back in June. And she's an avid reader. And we decided, or rather, she brought me this book called The House of Deep Water that was written by Jenny McFarlane, who is today's guest. And it is a book that takes place in Michigan, which is my home state. It was a new book this spring, is a new book, but it came out this spring. And I really wanted to support a new author who had to put out a book during the pandemic, cancel their book tour, cancel all the celebration. And I wanted to do, not that I was able to do much, but I wanted to choose this book. And because it sounded really wonderful. Turns out it was. (laughs) Jenny McFarlane has a unique voice and writing style, and turns out she's a lovely person as well, which you'll hear in this conversation. I loved getting to know her and speak with her, and she even was a part of our actual book club hang, meeting, conversation. It was obviously on Zoom. I would love to keep doing this book club if you guys would like to keep being a part of it. I think maybe monthly is too much for me. I'm just not a very fast reader, but I think quarterly is definitely doable, seasonally, we'll say. So I think I'd like to choose a book for the fall and have us read it together. I loved reading fiction. I read a lot of nonfiction usually, so this was a nice change. And I think that... Next, we might do nonfiction or fiction, but feel free to send ideas and let me know your thoughts and feedback. Just send me a um, comment on Instagram. Make sure you're following Let It Out. It's Let It Out with three Ts. And follow Jenny McFarland. She is a sourdough baker, which I am trying to become this week. We'll see how that goes. I'll report back. But this conversation addresses her trauma. We talk about writing rituals. We talk about how she's taking care of herself in the midst of the pandemic. It's a fascinating conversation that I think that you'll enjoy, and it's a bit shorter. So I'm going to get back into the habit of doing something that I used to do years ago, which is sharing some of my, we'll call them favorites, things that I'm liking right now, <laughs> loving right now. Sometimes they will be people or places or things. Sometimes they will be something that you can buy, but often I want there to be equally things that don't require consumerism and are just... Music that I want, art that I want to suggest, music, movie, TV. Because usually our guest is is always recommending things, and this episode is no different. Um, But sometimes, if there's time, I might give a little bit as well. Last year, I did this segment called "Likes and Learns," which I shared something I'm liking and something I'm learning at the end of each episode. And it it ended up feeling like a lot of pressure weekly, and I would get really stressed out recording the intros. Like, what did I learn since? Four days ago, when I recorded the last intro, um, and it felt like I was kind of fishing. So, every so often, I might share likes and learns again, but this week I will share some favorites. And I'll either keep doing that here on the show or in the Let It Out letter, which is our email newsletter. If you want to be on that, we send you the show notes every week so you don't have to stop and take notes on what you hear. They'll just come right to your inbox. I would love to have you there. I love you. I'm so grateful you're here. Our second podcast, which is a mental health show, Spiraling, that I co-host with my good pal Serena Wolf, is now in season two of Spiraling. We've aired two episodes at this point, and another one will come out next week. We're airing it bi-weekly. So feel free to subscribe to that. If you are anxious or know someone who is anxious, I think you'll like it. Now on to my favorite. So my friend, Christine, who I have been spending a lot of time with in LA, neighbor, friend, really has been such a gem to me and why I live in the neighborhood that I live in. And she's just one of the kindest people that I've ever met. We met because of this podcast years ago. And that episode is recorded she is a youtube video maker as well as a ceramicist as well as a dj she's a real life artist of a person she's so incredibly talented and cool anyway she does these favorites videos. I was just watching one of her videos the other night and was so inspired and it made me feel so good that I thought I would share a couple of things that I was loving as well. So the first one is her YouTube channel. She recommends music and beauty items and fashion clothes. She has given me so many clothes and so many ideas for clothes. I've been wearing these, they're actually hers that I'm borrowing, but they're these vintage 1970s Carhartt pants that she wears to ceramics with like a tube top. And it's the coolest outfit. I just bought a pair of men's Carhartt pants in a a size that fit me. And it's really nice. It's like a, a cool kind of like androgynous work look that is really comfortable when it's hot in LA. So that's one thing, but really I wanted to recommend her and her YouTube channel and everything that she's doing, her ceramics. I have that is my next suggestion, favorite, if you will. I have a couple of her ceramics not to brag, but she's making these boots that she came over and was hanging out over where I'm living right now when we were she was trying to teach me how to make ceramics. and she did, but, you know, i'm I'm not that good. <laughs> I'm um, actually, extremely bad, but I made a peanut and a vagina, (laughs) a peanut like the nut. And she fired them and painted them for me and, and they're here. But what she made that day messing around was a boot and it's a striker and a boot modeled after a boot that she has. It's really cool. And it ended up kind of like going viral. It got picked up by all of these stores that are carrying it and It's just really special. And so she gave me one that apparently was a reject, but I don't see anything wrong with it. And you can keep matches in it and you can strike the matches on the bottom. It's so cute. I'll link to her Instagram where she has it. And then she also says a lot of other things on her store. So I have a, I'm looking at a couple other ceramics of hers that I have. Like I have a facial, um, kind of like a guasha thing that she made me. And I have, she made me a donut a long time ago. So, I have a lot, which is really cool. And I highly suggest buying something to support my friend and also because her work is really beautiful. Okay, I'm just staying on this Christine train, but a long time ago, she told me about this store, general store in Venice, which I'm sure a lot of you know about and have been to. And I had to go pick someone up from the airport recently, and so I stopped in Venice and I just walked into the store and I was watching this Alexa Chung video about baskets and, or no, it was not about baskets. It was about French style. And Alexa Chung is like interviewing this very stylish French woman and going through her closet and they're talking about designer bags. And the, the subject of the video is like, you know, French women don't really like to show like a lot of labels and designer bags. They just like nice bags and they really like baskets. So I found this vintage basket at General Store that was kind of misshaped, but they told me that if you spray it with water, you can reshape it. So that's pretty cool, and I'm enjoying this basket. I can, like, take it to the farmer's market, or I'm just using it as, like, a cute small purse, you know? I've been using tote bags as purses, and it's been fine, but I'm also not really going anywhere. So anyway, what... Else, I've been making a lot of infusions again, and that's nothing new. If you follow me on Instagram, I've been doing that for a very long time. My hair is starting to break. I don't know why. I was trying this new hair tool. I don't know, you guys. I I honestly feel like I I genuinely thought that someone like came into my room and cut my hair because I swear I woke up one morning and it was shorter. Obviously, that didn't happen, but it felt like it. So I'm really doubling down on the nettle in my infusions and alfalfa and my episode with Erin, my dear friend who wrote the book Plants for the People, which is a modern guide to plant medicine and herbalism. She is wonderful for this sort of thing, this sort of a resource. I think that if you want to get into herbalism, that book is great. If you want to to grow your hair, use nettle, (laughs) strengthen your hair. I hope I'll report back. I would love your advice and feedback on what else I can do for that. That's so funny, you guys. I'm not even going to edit out that buzz because I forgot to put my phone on airplane mode and that was Aaron literally texting me. How weird, right? Okay, the next thing I want to talk about is an album and I I bought a car. Did I tell you guys that? I bought a car. I am fully moving to LA. I shipped my stuff from New York. I told you guys that a while back in my episode with Leah. If you want to hear more about my situation, (laughs) you can listen to that. Anyway, with that, I've been walking a bit less, which is a bummer. It's also been very hot here. But I've been really enjoying driving around and listening to music because I used to walk around a lot and listen to podcasts more. And driving is hard for me to listen to podcasts because uh, I'll be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not the best at driving, honestly. (laughs) I'm trying to get better, but it's a slow process. (laughs) So listening to music takes a little bit less of my brain. And I've been listening to a lot of really cozy things. And right now it's this album by Julia Jacklin called Crushing. And it is not a new album. It's an album that came out in 2019. And I've spoken about it before on the podcast, I believe, because friend of Let It Out, a friend of mine, Meredith, she is the one who made all the art for the kits and a lot of the art that you've seen in my world. She's an extremely talented collage artist and musician, actually. And last year when I was so sad and I was really going through it with a breakup, she sent me a text with this album, Crushing, and also a description of the lyrics and what it meant to her. And I dove into it and remember listening and and loving it. And I also think things hit you when they need to hit you because I enjoyed it and it, it was cathartic at that time. But for whatever reason, now I am listening to it on repeat like There are two songs on it, and especially right now, that are like extremely potent to me. One of them is called Good Guy, and then the song that comes after that. I'm not sure what it is. But it's just the album front to back is so genuinely wonderful. I love it so much. I haven't really told you about what I've been listening to in a while, so I'll give you a couple more of albums that have been meaningful to me in quarantine. At the beginning, it was Fiona Apple's new album, on repeat and before that actually wax Akachi, katie crutchfield's album saint cloud i love so much and i've like worn that album out and i loved her and kevin morby i've talked to you guys about this before but her and kevin morby were doing these weekly lives on instagram that really got me through early quarantine like march april She's a friend of Marley Grace who has been on this podcast and Marley actually dances in the video for Lilacs, a song on the album that I really love. So I've mentioned this before, at least in the Let It Out letter, so this is not anything new. And another album recently, more recently that came out early quarantine that earlier this summer I was listening to a lot is Laura Marling's album. If you haven't listened to that give it a spin. I think you'd really like it. Or maybe not. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what you like. Um, but if you like these other things, you'll probably like that. I still listen to a lot of Big Thief. I'm trying to think, I'll, you know, you can always look at my Spotify and stalk exactly what I'm listening to if you would like to. I think I'm going to leave it with that. Um, it's a little bit of music. Oh, I might as well talk about a, a food, I guess, that I've been liking. I've been making a lot of kale salad. For my friends, like a lot of massaged kale salad. It's pretty simple. It's just like avocado sprouts from the farmer's market, kale that I really massage, but I use lemon and sea salt and massage it for like a long time. And that's key. And then I put nutritional yeast and hemp seeds on it and like massage in the avocado. And it's super good. Like people like it that aren't just me. So that's pretty cool. And I'm trying to make sourdough right now, which is, you know, nothing. Groundbreaking, but in honor of Jenny McFarlane on today's episode, who is also a sourdough maker. And then, you know, last but not least, Four Sigmatic has this beauty shot with, I think, pomegranate in it. And I have been loving that. I I mix it in other drinks. I drink it on its own. I've given it to friends. It's really great. And there are these goalie apple cider vinegar gummies that my friend Serena, who co-hosts Spiraling with me, loves. And so I was like, let me give these a go. Guys, I love them. They, they taste so good that I just want to eat the whole bottle. Um, and they also look like little nipples, <laughs> the other shape of the gummy. I'm just, I'm into all of it. I love it. I love these gummies, these apple cider vinegar gummies. So that's it. That's all I got this week for favorites. Maybe I'll do this moving forward. Maybe I won't. Let me know what you think. In the meantime, Have a great week. Enjoy my episode with Jenny, and I will talk to you later. This week's episode is brought to you by Four Sigmatic, which is one of my favorite brands I've worked with forever. I've even had the founder on the podcast a couple years ago. They're known for their mushroom coffee. I've been drinking their ground mushroom coffee with Lion's Mane, and it's very good. I also have these little pomegranate beauty shots that... I love and are so refreshing. And the products of theirs that are newest to me are their skincare products. Their serum is my new favorite thing that I've put on my body, and there's this body butter that is really potent and smells amazing that I've been using. And last but not least, they have this protein powder that is really superb. It comes in three flavors: a original, a chocolate, and a peanut butter. And I have collected all three. They're very good. Their coffee with lion's mane, back to that. It supports productivity and creativity, which I think has really been helping me get it together and focus. Plus, it includes chaga, which is the king of mushrooms, they say. And right now, chaga is one of my favorite medicinal mushrooms to work with. The compounds in chaga have antioxidant properties, and it plays a big role in supporting the immune system to maintain its function, which I think is really great. You're probably thinking, does this coffee and these products taste like mushrooms? Gross, that'd be weird. I can guarantee it just tastes like regular coffee and the products actually taste really delicious. I don't taste mushrooms at all. And what's nice about the mushroom coffee is that it's a little bit easier on the gut. It doesn't leave me with that jittery feeling where I'm feeling kind of high and shaky and I don't crash, which is a real delight. All Four Sigmatic products are organic, vegan, and gluten-free. Every single batch is third-party tested for heavy metals, allergens, bad bacteria, yeast, molds, pesticides, the whole gang. So you know you are getting the highest quality coffee and mushrooms possible. Best of all, for Sigmatic stands behind their products unconditionally with a 100% money-back guarantee. Love every sip or get your money back. I've worked out an exclusive offer for Let It Out podcast listeners on their best-selling Lion's Mane coffee, the one I was just telling you guys about. This is just for Let It Out podcast listeners. Receive up to 39% off their best-selling Lion's Mane coffee bundles. To claim this deal, you must go to Forsigmatic.com slash Katie, K-A-T-I-E, This offer is not available on the regular website, so go to foursigmatic.com slash katie. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash katie, K-A-T-I-E, and fuel your productivity and creativity with some delicious mushroom coffee. Full discount applied at checkout. Thank you, Four Sigmatic. Thank you so much again for doing this, Jenny. I'm so excited to be talking to you on Let It Out. And congrats on the new book. I've spent so much time this summer with your characters that I've been really looking forward to chatting with you. It's my
0: pleasure to be here.
1: So first of all, I'd love to just start with how are you? How has the pandemic been for you personally and as a writer?
0: It has been a really horrible summer, like so many people. And as a marker of my mental health, I will say that this week, I painted my toenails. <laughs> I'm, Great. I'm the kind of person who like loves to have my toenails painted, and this is the first time all year. So I'm doing better. What color? But, uh, uh, it's like a kind of opalescent, peachy, goldy,
1: shimmery color. Oh, wow. That sounds like really pretty. <laughs> Yeah, I like it. (laughs) I feel like it would go well with your book cover.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love my book cover. It's Uh, so
1: beautiful.
0: So excited when they showed it to me. (laughs) Yeah, were you involved in that process? Not a whole lot. They just, they had their in-house artist do it. um, And she came back with just this beautiful picture. And I just asked that they make the character's hair and noses blacker. And that was really all.
1: That's amazing. So very little feedback and iterations of it. Yeah. That's really cool. What about having a book published now during this? What has that felt like? It was really
0: anticlimactic. Like I had all of these high hopes for my book tour and it was just like supposed to be this, you know, moment of arriving, I guess. And then right before, like, I don't know, two weeks before a book tour, that was my book launched April 21st. So right in the height of that first wave of coronavirus, I pulled the plug on the tour. So yeah, it's just been kind of sad and quiet.
1: <laughs> yeah, that has to be so hard. And did you mention that you moved somewhat close to... When quarantine began, yeah, we moved back to Michigan in November, um, but then
0: we we were in a in Ann Arbor in an apartment, and then in January, we bought a house, which was excellent timing because the apartment we lived in was tiny and would not have been good <laughs> to be on in lockdown inside of
1: yeah, it has to be hard I mean it's good you had the house, you had more space, and I'm sure some projects that that you can do with Being in a new home, but it has to be really hard. I mean, I'm going through it similarly to be somewhat new in a city, and you know, it's really not the time to socialize and make friends, and it's really complex. And on top of that, work wise for you and I, I guess, of you know, we don't have the consistency of. Obviously, no one's going into an office, but you know the the Zoom sort of an office or the remote working situation is different when you're a freelancer. And then on top of that, compounded by this huge accomplishment of writing a really complex and thought out and I mean, I have a million questions for you about it and uh, and compliments for you about the the novel, which I want to get to. But just really saying like. A huge personal project was released and birthed into the world on top of those other things I mentioned. And I think celebration is so important and community and, and all those things compounded. I'm assuming and maybe projecting have to be really hard.
0: No, absolutely. It it has just been quiet and lonely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is your husband also a writer? No, no, he's a geologist. Um, and he's working from home. And we live in rural Michigan with rural internet. Um, so that has oh, been wow. a challenge. He does computer modeling. So he takes kind of a lot of bandwidth for his work. And yeah, that's been a constant struggle this year.
1: Yeah, I bet. I bet. Well, I'm excited that Let It Out is celebrating you and your book because it's been really cool. We I don't know if I told you this emailing, but we've never done a book club before. But, oh, I wanted to do one this summer and I wanted to find the perfect book to do. And I wanted to support a new author for sure because I wanted to do, like we said, it's really challenging to have a book come out during during this time. And then I, I was just looking at so many different books that came out. And then when I saw yours, it looked so interesting and you looked so interesting. And then I saw that it takes place in Michigan and I was like... All right, this is the one, <laughs> and I'm so happy that I did it. It was just a really cool experience to talk to. I mean, we haven't even done our book club club, which I think you're going to come to, which is so cool. But we've yeah. all been talking about it and and connecting over it, and people have been sharing their pictures, reading it, and it's just been it's been super cool to collectively consume a piece of art, and especially right now. Yeah. Where did the idea for this novel begin in your mind? Can you take us back to that moment?
0: Well, I guess the very oldest part of this book, like the part that I wrote first, mm-hmm. I started in the summer of 2013. And it was a story. It was the story um, in there that takes place in the past. Um, and I think it was called the leaving behind chapter. But um It was, I don't know, I just started writing about (laughs) this boyfriend that I had back in the day and he was kind of philandering and I just started writing like a, the original draft was very much my own personal experience, not much fictionalized, but just kind of writing about the feeling of being in a relationship and not knowing what's going on, but knowing something was off and trying to like... Prove that he was cheating, and it just kind of went from there. Like, um, I remember I got I workshopped um, that piece that summer at Boldface, which is our conference for undergraduate writers, held at the University of Houston. And I got a lot of feedback. I'm like, Why is this character putting up with this guy? Like, what is wrong with her, <laughs> basically? And I had to think about because I had a boyfriend like that, and I just put up with him for three years. And like, why did I do that? Um, so just kind of. I was just beginning to like start to think about my own personal experience and childhood trauma and starting to process that. And I knew that it had a lot to do with like the choices I made in my life and the choices that my character was making. So yeah, it just kind of came together
1: from there. When you were workshopping that version of the piece, did the people in the workshop, did you tell them it was based on like you were that character or did you... Just no. Purely. <laughs> <laughs> no, I
0: I was completely not ready. Like in 2013, I still hadn't told my best friend about my trauma. Like I definitely wasn't ready to talk to people I didn't know very well. And I'd also never been to therapy for it. So I was just really, really closed up and kind of silenced and trying to find a, an outlet for just so much like tumultuous emotions.
1: Yeah, that has to be So hard. I mean, I guess we should mention here, you know, this, this book is personal to you and different characters are inspired by things that you've experienced that you've alluded to here. And there are aspects of your experience with abuse growing up. And I was wondering if you could talk about when you felt Like, was the process of developing this character or these, you know, aspects of you in this character, did it feel cathartic for you or was it a painful process or a bit of both? It was definitely
0: both. Like, I I think that there can't really be catharsis without that pain, just opening, kind of opening those wounds again and letting the, if I can continue this disgusting metaphor, letting the festering parts like heal, I guess was um, extremely cathartic but very painful, um, and it was hard. It was it was hard on my marriage in some ways. I think um, just because I was really pissy for a long time, and my husband's super like supportive and understanding,
1: um, but it had to have worn on him. While I was writing this, was that a conversation that you had had with him prior? How did you get into therapy after 2013 was that prior to starting to work on the majority of this novel
0: I had had the conversation with him early on but it was a very vague conversation it was just like you know I was hurt as a child it was bad like I couldn't it was very like that child mindset like I couldn't even find the words to say what had happened to me so he knew something right but he didn't know details and I didn't Go to therapy until so I I started writing the bulk of this novel when I was taking a workshop with Robert Boswell in grad school, and I don't know just as I was I started writing and all of these like horrible memories um, started coming out. Like I realized that this was more than I could handle on my own, and so I went to my student services or whatever and saw a therapist on
1: campus. So after that initial therapy, did you feel like? the The Thurber scandal is the backdrop in the story did and you know for people who haven't read the book, maybe you could give a little bit of of context of that of people who will eventually pick up the book and and dive into your writing. Did you know that that was going to be part of it when you started? No, I think
0: Thurber was a character who came in much later. He was just kind of like a person in the background. In fact, in earlier drafts, I think I didn't even name him. He was just the man child. Um, mm. But for people who haven't read the book, yeah. um, I don't feel like it's... Revealing too much to say, like my main character was sexually assaulted as a young child, yeah. and the book opens right as the neighbor, she's an adult now, the neighbor who did this to her has been arrested, um, and so it's kind of it's it's a thing that the characters are talking about. There's a trial happening in the background in the book, but like this whole small town is rocked by this scandal, and so that's yeah, that's the background for that. So there were many drafts when he had no name, and it was. I don't remember for sure. I'm trying to think when he became a bigger character. I know he, like the scandal definitely became more woven throughout the book with my editor's help. So I want to say that the draft that I gave to her, I know that he was named at that point, but I don't think he was much of a character.
1: What has the reaction to the book been? And did anything surprise you? Not
0: exactly. I've had a lot of people come out you know, and, and say, thank you for writing this book. Like This is something that I needed to read, which was good. Like There were definitely moments when I was writing it that I was kind of wondering to myself whether I should or whether it was self-indulgent. So it was good to have that feedback from people. Yeah, there wasn't really anything that
1: surprised me in how people responded. How did you take care of yourself in the writing process in terms of what you were saying of like, it was hard on your Marriage and it was hard on yourself to bring this up. Did you amp up therapy or did you have any other tools or processes that helped you? And I'd love to know, like, how long of a timeline that was as well.
0: So I worked on the book from, like I said, 2013 until I want to say I got an agent. Oh, I don't even remember now, but I know, like, I was done with edits in 2019. So it was about six years total. And I tried to amp up therapy. I had a really hard time. I was living in California while I was, you know, writing second and third drafts of this book. And I had a hard time out there finding a therapist who was a good fit for me. I'm still, I'm still looking for a therapist who's a good fit for me. But it's, it's hard because there's, I don't know, like my last therapist didn't seem to want to address these issues. Like she wanted to give me general advice for like de-stressing, which is good. Like self-care is helpful, but I, I feel like I need more than that. You know, so I did a lot of self-care things, bubble baths and yoga and little things like that. But it's, I think I need something more.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm so curious about process for for writers. Are you someone who sticks to a schedule or, you know, this book is is really nonlinear and your writing style is so unique and... Really, what I loved about it, I think, is how it forced me to pay attention in a way as a reader that I haven't had to do in a long time. And I read a lot of nonfiction where it doesn't require that at all or just fiction that doesn't require so much change of perspective and narrator and timeline. And this book has so many characters and they're so well developed. However, it was, I'm like almost shocked that I was able to follow it so well and really understand each character because of how it progresses in a really unique way that I loved. And so with that, I'm really curious what your process was of of writing it like day by day. I would write the different chapters, the different character perspectives,
0: depending on what mood I was in. So like I might wake up someday and feel really depressed and then I would write Beth's character or I might wake up one day and feel kind of snarky and then I might work on Skyla or Derek. Just, I don't know if there were feelings that I had that kind of corresponded with the different characters. And so I tried to follow those things <laughs> more difficult in the end because when you're writing the story out of order, it's yeah, it's easy to get some details lost or confused that my editor definitely had her work cut out for her. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm I'm not the kind of person, I don't write every day. I try to most days and I, I don't have like a set schedule. I'm just like, when I feel ready, I'll sit down and write for at least an hour is what I try for most days. But I'm very inconsistent, I think, in my
1: my habits. That's really great to hear as... A writer, (laughs) because (laughs) I heard uh, a writer that I love, Danny Shapiro, said once, "Just touch your project daily," which I really like because that kind of took the pressure off to do it at a certain time or for a certain amount of time. Sometimes it's just a few seconds, but she said that that was good because sometimes taking so many days off, it's harder for me to dive back in. But I also, I just might not be able to logistically or mental health wise, and that's also okay. And I also like when, when my book, when I was writing it, I had to, I was working full time. So I had to wake up at 5am and do a little bit each day just to like, get the draft in on time. And I ended up needing an extension, but like, that also was nice to force myself to do a little bit each day. And I think all this to say is there's no right way to do it. Everybody does it so differently and different life phases and how we're feeling and if there's a pandemic or not. Like There's so many factors. Yeah. As you know, I'm also from Michigan. And so it was cool to, to see my hometown mentioned early on. And um, <laughs> How much do you feel like small Midwest town plays a role in the story? Hugely. I think that the town itself is almost like another
0: character and that we get a lot of reactions from like how various people in the town, you know, are perceiving the situation and you get different sides of the story based on who you're getting the story from. Yeah, I think it's it's a huge part of the story.
1: Did you know early on that it wanted to be a story that would be in your home state? And, and maybe we should mention too, it's a fictionalized story place i i instantly looked it up and i was like why do i not know that i feel like i kind of have like heard of every town in michigan at least just from like driving on the highway or like listening to the weather you know and yeah. so i was like maybe this is not a real place how did you decide to not use an actual town and make a fictionalized version
0: i have mixed feelings about my hometown growing up there as one of the few people of color it was rough and also being someone who leaned towards the arts more than sports. It was a very unique experience. But I also knew that my perception of that town was kind of jaded by undiagnosed and untreated mental illness. Like I have clinical depression, which I was just actually officially diagnosed with last year. And so like growing up, like I, I know that there were things that probably weren't as bad as they seemed or as threatening as they seemed so like I couldn't I couldn't use my town. I had to I felt like I needed to fictionalize that, but also partly that's why I have so many characters just because I I know that I needed other perspectives to give small towns a fair shake.
1: Yeah, that makes so much sense. In another interview I read you talk about Midwestern passive aggression and <laughs> you said it just makes sense to you even as you realize how unhealthy it is. Can we talk about that a little bit and maybe give some examples? (laughs) Because I think I know exactly what you mean without being able to articulate it.
0: (laughs) I'm thinking of an example when I lived in California for a while. um, And in my experience, people are very confident. I don't know if they really are as confident as they come across, but they seem very confident in California. I was out for a hike with some friends and, you know, the topic of what people did for a living came up and I was a writer, and they asked what I was working on. And I said, Oh, a novel that I'm never going to finish. And like, I really thought I was going to finish this. um, But like, there was a part of me that felt like I wasn't going to. And their response was, Oh, you just have to believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Wait, what? (laughs) Like, what (laughs) just happened there? That wasn't the right response. And then I realized that I was being disingenuous. And these interactions happened a lot more often in California where I think actually in Houston too, where people just, they don't really pick up on the, the passive aggression so much.
1: Yeah. That's so interesting. And I know that exact feeling of like, I do that all the time. Like I'm in California now and just with people that I meet where like, you know, I, I often kind of joke with my, when people are like, what do you do? And I'm like, I, I, I don't know. Like, what do I not do? Like, I do a bunch of things. Like, I don't like... And then they're like, no, really. And I'm like, oh, yeah. That's just like how we kind of speak. And you don't... There's not more to that usually. And we we really forget that, I think. Yeah. Something I want to go back to. So when you were talking about so many different characters and so many different perspectives, it reminded me of this system of therapy called... IFS have you ever done that or heard of that it's <laughs> called internal family systems no so my therapist or actually not my therapist a therapist who did the podcast years ago she wrote a book about it and talks about it. it's not her process it was some other man did it a long time or made it up a long time ago but he actually developed it with eating disorder clients where he would have children who were in eating disorder recovery, he would have the parents and the kids and the siblings all come into the office and try to talk to them all together to like help the the person who needed the treatment. Hmm. And it wasn't working. And so he would be like, okay, I'm going to talk to the daughter and the son. or I'm going to talk to the daughter and the dad or the mom and the dad or the mom and the one child or whatever. And these different combinations or one-offs throughout the session and the other people would leave. And it worked. And from that, he got the idea of like, oh, there are all these different parts of us inside of us where there's the director of finance that's like really trying to keep our money in order. There's the inner child, there's the inner parent, there's the teenager, there's the hurt self, and then there's the like, confident self, and they're all in there. But he would do that system of therapy. And then... Dr. Lisa, who came on the podcast, she does it a lot with, with children and she would do that system of therapy with people where she would ask like the higher part of yourself or the part of you outside of the, the different selves. And I feel like the amount of characters in your book kind of is reminiscent of that style of, of therapy to me in a way of like Riverbend being the highest self, you know, the truth. I could see that. Yeah, it's just like, I made that connection in my mind. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You said that the book shows small ways that we enforce a divide between who isn't and is allowed to thrive in our society. Can you talk about that a bit? So I'm talking there about various ways of
0: keeping people from thriving, like systemic racism is, of course, at the forefront of my mind these days. But I just really want to call attention to without, you know, using words that kind of close people's minds off. I just want to call attention to these things that we do to ourselves and each other that don't really benefit us. They benefit like the rich elites, but it's such an ingrained part of like how we grew up and how we live that we don't even think about it. And I just, I want people to think about it.
1: Yeah. And I feel like story is such a, great way to illustrate this. I mean, obviously, there's so many ways to learn about systemic racism and so many horrific things happening, but also spending time in this world and learning about how things, for the plot that was happening, how things became the way they did was was so fascinating. And can you talk about from your perspective, what would help us change this and stop the social injustice that's so prevalent? I don't even know. Like, (laughs) I think
0: definitely the first step is to talk about these things more because there's so much in our society that is like taboo for us to speak about. And those taboos really just help these things thrive in silence and among these things i think are racism financial inequality things like sexual assault you know where we blame the victim until the victim is silent like these are just things that we need to address and i think the more we talk about them and the more we realize you know how many people are hurt by them i don't know i i hope that the answer for like how to address them will become apparent i don't know that it will but i hope <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, me too. Do you feel like this book and writing this book changed you as a writer or as a person? Hmm, yeah.
0: I think as a writer, I'm I'm trying really hard to like write my next book linearly like from start to finish, not hop around as I'm writing. It's not working so well, so I might have to go back to what works, but it definitely changed how I approach the work just having you know, months absorbing and digesting my adverse feedback and knowing, you know, what those next steps are that help a book become a book, definitely changed the way that I look at writing. Um, as a person, yeah, I think that writing this has helped me at least begin to talk about some of the things that I've experienced in my life that I've been silent about for so long, which is scary, but it's also extremely freeing, like to be able to like, go and say to my best friend and tell her what happened. And just like people are super supportive and loving, which isn't a reaction that I had when I was younger. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just been really helpful.
1: I love that. And like the name of this podcast is Let It Out, because I believe that, you know, what we hold in hurts us and letting it out when we share it the shame starts to dissipate and we can that's how we can connect and create a more empathetic world is kind of the premise of this podcast so I just I really love that and and relate to it a lot and I'm happy that that happened for you yeah me too <laughs> so you mentioned what you're working on now can you talk about that a little bit a little bit.
0: It's. I, I feel like I'm jinxing it every time I. I talk about it, but um, I'm working on a book. That's. Believe in yourself. Ad- <laughs> just believe. <laughs> <will> <laughs> I am writing a book. No, I'm. I'm slogging I'm through. Just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a an adaptation of Phantom of the Opera, but mm. set in present day in a country club so it's a um, in the kitchen it's an illicit romance between a pastry chef and executive chef and i'm really interested in this story because i was obsessed with it when i was younger like i think i was i was 11 or 12 when i saw it for the first time my great grandmother like took us to chicago to see it and it was amazing and i was obsessed with musicals ever since but especially that story like i've read several different versions of it And when I was 11, 12, it just seemed dark and mysterious and romantic. But, you know, as a 39-year-old woman now, I think about it and I think about the story itself and how messed up it is that we tell ourselves that it's romantic. So I'm really interested in kind of interrogating like why we tell ourselves these stories, why we hold them up as romantic when they're really problematic. I love that. That's really
1: cool. I'm excited to read it what is the process? You mentioned the process, you're trying to do it more linearly, and you might switch from that. But do you have any habits or routines around writing or rituals or like anything you do right before or just any sort of consistency with sitting down to write lately or in general?
0: The only consistency I have is that I almost always write the very first draft of any like paragraph by hand partially because i'm distracted like if i'm on my computer i will be on facebook and so yeah the first the first draft is done by hand other than that like i I sit in different rooms in my house different times of day sometimes i make tea sometimes i don't sometimes i have to fight off cats that went in my lap (laughs) so it's it's different every day
1: wow that's really interesting about writing out the first paragraph. I love that. A friend and mentor, another writer, Kayleen Schaefer did the podcast and she said that when she's feeling blocked, she writes in all capital letters, which I thought was really interesting just to like switch something in her brain. Huh. Um, Yeah. And I thought that that was really interesting. And I, so the book I wrote is about journaling and I find processing my thoughts and feelings through writing in a non-sharing context, so useful. And I often talk about whether, you know, writing on the computer, writing by hand is better. And I, I think they're both equally great, but there's something about, A, the distractions, like you mentioned, or lack thereof. And like, there's something I think, and I'm curious if you, I'd love your thoughts on this. If there's something about like the hand-to-brain connection of handwriting that like, A not to brag, but I'm a pretty fast typer. (laughs) But like nobody can write that that fast. You know what I mean? So I feel like there's something of like slowing down that also maybe breeds more creativity. Do you have any thoughts on that? I don't know. Sometimes I
0: feel like it hinders me in a way. Like if I'm on a roll and I need to be writing fast, I will switch over to my computer. But yeah, I think sometimes it is helpful to slow down though and and have to write it up by hand, plus there's just something pleasurable about putting ink on paper mm-hmm. i don't know, I enjoy it,
1: <laughs> yeah, I think so too, and I've had that experience, even just journaling where I'm like, I gotta get this out, and I like start making the sentences not make sense where I'm just like marking something where I'm like saying like i'll know what that means and go back and fill it in, but just so I can keep going with the thought, you know, yeah, and I think you can show more emotion like in writing when you're handwriting, like I often think about how if you looked at a piece of paper from like two feet away and it was typed or handwritten, the handwritten one, you'd be able to see the emotion of it with how dark it is or if things are crossed off. and with the typed one, it would like just look fine, you know, yeah, I could see that, yeah, that's really interesting. What advice do you have to someone wanting to write more consistently or write a novel or be a professional writer like you? Wow. I think that's
0: the first time anyone's ever called me a professional writer and it sounded really nice. I'm oh like, my God. Photo. Yeah. <laughs> You're, you are like <laughs> beyond. <laughs> I mean, I really think that the idea of just like touching your work every day, and even if it's not physically touching it, like if you get to the end of the day and you haven't written at all, like just to go back and think like, where was I? Mm. What were my characters doing? Like, what what are they up to? Like, why are they? I most often find myself like not sleeping at night because I'm thinking like, why did she do that? Like, why did my character do that? And then I have to like figure it out from there. But I, I think that thinking is still writing. At least I tell myself that.
1: I love that. Yeah. (laughs) I read, I think Mary Carr talked about this in something I read where she was saying that, I think she was saying in the context of memoir, but how, and you've probably heard this, but she was like, when you're writing nonfiction, you start with story and, I might reverse this, and then manufacture meaning. And when you are writing memoir, you start with, wait, no, when you're writing memoir, you start with story and then you manufacture meaning out of the story that you have in front of you. And then it's reversed when you're writing fiction, where you figure out the meaning and then you craft a story around it. That was so hard for me to get out, but hopefully that makes sense. (laughs) But it does make sense. I guess with, with with what you're saying about characters and being in this novel, it's like, To me, at least, the characters were so central and that you just... I felt like the story was really driven by this really free-formed flow that I felt like I could even know how they would react because I felt like I knew them so well by the end of the novel. And so I loved what you said about crafting something out of your own thinking, like taking a day of of what was happening and being able to creatively put that somewhere, I think is, is a really nice way to handle the human experience. (laughs) Yeah.
0: It's the only way I know, like the world is overwhelming. (laughs) It's the only way I can process.
1: Yeah. I was just listening to this interview with Sadie Smith before I talked to you. And she was saying, the, the interviewer was saying how cool of you to be able to write a, book of essays in quarantine. And she was like, look, I, this is like my, there's healthcare workers and there's all these people doing work. She was like, this is what I do. And honestly, it's like, it was cathartic for me. This is like the way I process. And I really liked that. It makes sense. Yeah. I like that too. What is your greatest lesson on creativity? Who it's very unpredictable. Like there
0: are definitely days that it's just not coming. And I'm trying to be, especially these days with everything in the world, I'm trying to be kind to myself about that. And, you know, if the writing's not coming on any given day, I can still read and that still counts as work in my book. Just like, don't be so hard on myself when I'm mm-hmm. not, when it's just not working out.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that. I had a writing teacher say once, get into it or get out of it. And she meant that in the context of like, when you're writing a short essay, like don't just allude to something, either go into detail or like scrap it. And I think that really works in life though. Like it's the phase where I'm like trying to force doing something, being productive or creative, and it's just not coming. Where if I just make the choice of like, okay, this is not flowing. I'm going to just fully do something else, like read or whatever, that there's relief to that. Yeah. When you do feel blocked other than reading is there anything else that you do to get inspired? Sometimes I write
0: things that are I never intend anyone to look at. So I write a lot of really terrible poetry. Sometimes I'll write like little essay type things or I'll just write I when I'm writing by hand in my notebooks I If it's not something that goes with a piece that I'm working on and I'm just like writing for my own sake, I'll write in brackets so that I know later, like, this isn't usable. But some days I'll just be like, I'm just writing in brackets today, just because it's better to get something on the page than nothing. And sometimes it helps. Like, sometimes if I'm just rambling in my writing, I will stumble upon an idea and that will spark something. So, yeah, even writing in brackets for the day can be useful.
1: Yeah, it's oh, really cool. So is journaling something that you ever do? Do you keep a journal at all?
0: I sort of do, but it's really like the brackets in my notebook. Mm-hmm. Like it's not a separate thing from my work. It's just kind of interspersed.
1: Yeah, cool. We talk about mental health quite a bit on the show and I have another podcast about anxiety and, and you've been open about your depression. I'm wondering if you could share a bit about what helps you recently or anything that you've learned about yourself through what you've gone through with mental health?
0: What's helping me these days is I bought an exercise bike. So moving is helpful. And like yesterday, I I have a bit of a cold. And so I was not really feeling it yesterday. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to go and watch netflix while i sit on the exercise bike and like slowly pedal and i'll call that (laughs) i'll call that exercise for the day but it really it helps things like yoga meditation help too medications help for me marijuana helps um it's an excellent antidepressant for me that's amazing i i
1: love uh, and agree with all of those things (laughs) um (laughs) what are you watching on netflix lately?
0: On the exercise bike, I'm watching The Umbrella Academy, uh, and I'm just on episode oh, two, yeah. so I don't know a whole lot. And then I'm watching Grown-ish. Oh, I guess that's Hulu, but yeah, I'm kind of in love with like Black-ish, Grown-ish, um, that whole franchise.
1: Cool. You mentioned therapy and how it's been useful to you. I know it's it's so personal, but is there a nugget of of yeah. wisdom from a specific therapist over the years that has stuck with you or been generally useful?
0: My very first therapist. I remember talking to her one day about just worrying that I was making a fool out of myself on the daily. And what do people think of me? And she said, they don't. Which was really freeing, like you know, I'm going over this this interaction in my head because I feel like I did something stupid, but like they're not also going over it, like they don't even remember it, and I should probably just move on. I find that like super helpful to remember that they're not thinking about this
1: that's so funny because I look at that and as an anxious person. I do that on the regular, like I'm probably going to do it about like right now, you know what I mean, <laughs> and there's part of me though that I'm in a situation right now, like my living situation like gives me a lot of anxiety in some ways, like just being around people a lot and whatever, and part of me feels like you so free by that sentiment, and then part of it makes me sad of like. And feel a bit foolish of like, wow, I think about you so much and you don't give a shit, you know? And like yeah. that kind of sucks too, you
0: know? It does, but it also, I don't know. I, I try to take more than than it hurts, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I find it mostly freeing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna choose to be on your your side of that because that it sounds like a much calmer way to look at that. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. I'm just laughing at that. So you write so vividly about family dynamics in this book. Can you talk about family and what fascinates you about that enough to write about it in the way you did in this book?
0: Family fascinates me. I am always interested in seeing people put together in situations, and they're not necessarily people who would have chosen to be with each other, but Fate has chosen it for them. And then to see how they navigate that world is fascinating to me. In the book, too, there's also a lot of like missing parents, you know, family members that are just, that should be there and aren't. And I'm fascinated with my family history and looking back over the years at the people who weren't there. Like my great grandmother was divorced in the 40s and then she was kicked out. She was Mennonite. She was kicked out of the Mennonite community for divorcing. And so the idea of like she had two young kids on her own, 1940s. She's a woman, a single woman. Like I just, I draw so much strength from these stories and like how the women, especially in my family, have overcome things that I've never had to deal with. And I try to draw as much strength as I can from them. I also Mm -hmm. think about, um, especially these days, I've been thinking about, so I guess my family in the late 19-teens lost all of the men on the farm to the Spanish influenza. And so the idea like these women left to their own devices in like 1920 to run this Uh. farm by themselves
1: is fascinating to me. Wow. Did you ever watch the show Godless on Netflix? No. It's a Western with fellow Michigander Jeff Daniels in it. And it's the plot line is all of the men get killed, not by the pandemic, but I forget exactly. They get killed by something and the women are left to like deal with the town. So it reminded me of that. But that's fascinating. I'm putting that on my list. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even finish it, but I remember liking the first couple episodes.
0: <laughs> I also live in the town where Jeff Daniels is from, and he's got like a theater here.
1: Um, oh, yeah. Kind of a- <laughs> he went to my <laughs> high school, I think. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. So with family then, what is your greatest lesson on family? They're going to do what they're going to do.
0: <laughs> like You can't talk them out of it. You can't talk them into something that is... You can't talk them into living their lives the way that you would live yours. You just got to let them be.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's really solid advice. Okay, I want to ask you the quick, fair questions I ask everyone. But first, what do you want readers to take away from this book?
0: Mostly, I want to talk to the other survivors out there and let them know that they're not alone. I feel like there's been a lot of Messages in my life that have been like, you should be over this by now. Like, I was a child when these things happened, and I'm almost 40 and I'm still haunted by them. But, like, healing happens when it happens, how it happens. You just got to let it, and you can't force it. You can't make it happen on the schedule that suits you. So, yeah, I just want other survivors to know that you're not crazy. These things happen, they're terrible, they screw you up for a very long time, Um, and you're not alone.
1: That's so nice. And I'm so happy that this book exists and can do that for people. Okay, this is a clunky transition. I'm just gonna say it. But these are our quickfire questions. So some of them are lighter. And we'll just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Um, what's the best thing you've eaten in the last week?
0: Oh, I've been eating a lot of veggie burgers. I haven't oh. eaten anything great.
1: <laughs> veggie burgers are great. <laughs> yeah, but I'm really sick of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you cooking a lot in quarantine? No, no. no but I am. I'm
0: baking sourdough today. <gasps> so, like it will oh to
1: my god! The, I I firmly believe bread is the best food ever created. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I really take a stance on that. Like I would prefer to eat bread over like any food. Anyone gave me.
0: <laughs> me too. And I have a friend who's always like, you need to go gluten-free. And I'm like, we can't be
1: friends anymore. No, yeah. we can,
0: but you've got to stop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> please. please.
1: I love that. Have you been making it all of quarantine? When did you start making sourdough?
0: I started at the beginning of quarantine, but then the grocery store didn't have bread flour for a long time. So my starter has just been chilling in the fridge and I thought maybe she was dead, but nope, she's alive.
1: So oh, amazing. <laughs> oh, it's going to be so good. How do you usually eat it? Like when it when it is fresh, do you like cut it up with butter? Like what's your you go-to? Sometimes I don't even get butter on it. I just eat it plain, but oh I definitely God. like it when it's warm. I want a hunk of bread. There's this coffee shop near where I live and the guy's wife makes sourdough and... I started picking it up for our house, like early pandemic, like went around the time your book came out, maybe. And I, one day, it was my birthday, actually. And I, I grabbed a, a straight from the oven because I was like in a rush to get back for something. And he was like, Oh, yeah, I'll grab it for you real quick. But like, it was just in about 500 degrees. So, like, please be careful. I was like, Okay, yeah, no problem. But I'm walking back, and I can feel it's warm. But I'm like, Oh, you know, like, Fuck that. Like, I'm going to have a hunk of this bread on my walk. And so I like pulled down my mask and I tried to grab a hunk of it. And I burned myself so oh. badly. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> on my birthday, it was so bad. But then there is now a sign. I told them that story and I started going in there and getting the bread a lot after that. And now, not to brag, but there's a sign at the coffee shop that says a quote from me, which is, bread is my boyfriend, Katie. (laughs) And it goes underneath the sourdough. (laughs) I love that. So, you know, that's what we're working with here. (laughs) What are you most looking forward to after quarantine?
0: Going to restaurants again. Actually, going to restaurants with
1: friends. Mm, Oh my God, same. That's my favorite hobby. (laughs) Yeah. Is there anything that would be like your other than bread, like your favorite food, last meal food, something you crave?
0: This is a dorky answer, but my favoriteest food of all time is pineapple because it's good no matter what time of day. I would eat some even if I wasn't hungry. I always want
1: pineapple. That's a fantastic answer. And I fully agree. Yeah, that, that's a very good answer. And it's like very easy to digest some of the yeah. new ones.
0: Yeah, Um, it has enzymes in it that like help your stomach digest mm. and I have a lot of stomach problems, so it's especially good.
1: Oh, now I want bread and pineapple. (laughs) (laughs) What's your favorite part of your life right now?
0: I am really enjoying painting various sections of my house. So I'm almost done painting the kitchen cabinets and I'm moving on to the living room next and I'm really excited to see that get done before i ordered a sofa it's coming in october so i gotta get i gotta get the living room done
1: cool that's so exciting nesting yes what's your greatest lesson on friendship
0: i don't know friendship is everything like i when i have good friends i try to hold on to them as long as i can but also Sometimes you have friends, they're nice and they're fun or whatever, but they're not necessarily good for you or you're not mm-hmm. good for them. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to keep those
1: friendships. That's fine. Oh, yeah. That was really good advice. I like needed to hear today. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever feel overwhelmed or disorganized or like you don't have enough time? And if you ever do, what helps with that? I feel that
0: way all of the time. And... Me too. I don't know what helps with
1: that. I have no idea. (laughs) Great. Great. (laughs) Me neither. So if anyone knows, let us know. (laughs) Yes, please. What are you most curious about right now? Just why? (laughs)
0: Just why, world? (laughs) Like, why?
1: (laughs) Oh, same. (laughs) Greatest lesson on romantic relationships?
0: If it feels off, it probably is. Get out.
1: Mm. Oh that one also hit me hard. What about spirituality, god, what do you think happens when we die? Do you have any thoughts on on that?
0: I feel like there's something when we die, like I don't think it's just oblivion, but I don't know exactly what. Like are we just returned to the energy of the universe or I I just feel like I can't conceive of not existing at all. So like I try to tell myself these stories
1: of <laughs> what's mm-hmm. next. Yeah. Yeah. We talk a lot about body image on on the show. Have you ever struggled with body image or not feeling great about yourself? And do you have anything that has helped you? I struggle with it constantly,
0: especially with like the quarantine weight, because I did do a lot of baking in the beginning of COVID. I know there are women out there who are heavier and they're beautiful. And I see them and I see their confidence and they're lovely. And I'd love to be like that. and I just need to work on finding that part of myself, I think. And I don't really know how to do that. Like, I don't have answers.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think so much of it is our standards of beauty and what we've been fed and goes much like, you know, so many things goes back to society and how we are raised and where all of this comes from. and, And it's tough. Yeah. So uh, this is really just a way to recommend things. So book, music, podcast, another writer, a food, TV show, movie, you can recommend one of all of those things. But I know that's a lot of categories. So anything that comes to mind just that you want to let out and recommend to people.
0: Yeah, I just finished a book called Lakewood by Megan Giddings. It was actually recommended to me by a woman who interviewed me on another podcast. It was so good. I want everyone to read it. Briefly, it's it's a woman who enters a clinical trial, and then like things are just really messed up. So you get to see her navigate this world. But music, I am obsessed still with postmodern jukebox. They started, I think, on on youtube but they are um they take pop music and uh it's mostly from the 90s or later but some of some of it's older um but they redo it in like jazz or swing styles they make it sound old is what they say i just love their videos and they've always got like it'll be like the band in a quaint little room they're playing but then there's always like weird stuff going on in the background of the scene and i don't know i love them I'm obsessed.
1: Cool. So the name of the show is Let It Out. Is there anything else that you wanted to share or wish that I would have asked you that I didn't? Did I squeeze you for for all your juice? (laughs) I can't think of anything else. Good. Well, thank you again so much for doing this and being part of Let It Out and allowing us to use this book that I loved so much for our first ever book club. It's really cool. Yeah, thank you for having me. So we end with letting out a deep breath together. Are you down? I am down. Okay. Inhale. Let it out. Ah, I always forget that makes me feel better. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much. It was so nice chatting with you. Yeah, you too. All right. That was my episode with Jenny McFarland. She's a true gem. If you haven't read the book, The House of Deep Water, highly recommend it, obviously. If you were in the book club and you read it, thank you for being here. I hope you loved this conversation as much as I did. Jenny, thank you so much for doing the podcast. The emoji for this week's episode is the hand, is the Michigan Mitten Hand. Whenever anyone asks where I'm from, I can't say I'm from Michigan without whipping out my hand and pointing to the middle, which is the location of my hometown, I love you. I'm so glad you're here. If you like this podcast, share it with a friend. Maybe leave a review on iTunes. Maybe sign up for our newsletter where you can get the show notes sent right to you. And support the sponsors. It really means a lot. And also, if you want to make a podcast, we have the podcast kit available. It guides you through everything from coming up with a concept and an idea to marketing and monetizing a podcast once you have one for a while. And we even have some a la carte offerings within that. So if you already have a podcast and you just want to learn about interviewing or you just want to learn about marketing, there's an option now for that. And if you are broken hearted, we have the Soothe Kit and the Solve Kit Zine available digitally for all of your tender hearted needs. And then the Write Kit is now available. So if you want to check any of those out, use the code podcast listener. I'm just made that up right now podcast listener and that will give you 20% off everything if you want to buy it all if you want to buy one thing 20% off with the code podcast listener just for you guys This week's episode is brought to you by Four Sigmatic, which is one of my favorite brands I've worked with forever. I've even had the founder on the podcast a couple years ago. They're known for their mushroom coffee. I've been drinking their ground mushroom coffee with lion's mane, and it's very good. I also have these little pomegranate beauty shots that I love and are so refreshing. And the products of theirs that are newest to me are their skincare products. Their serum is my new favorite thing that I put on my body and there's this body butter that is really potent and smells amazing that I've been using. And last but not least, they have this protein powder that is really superb. It comes in three flavors: a original, a chocolate, and a peanut butter and I have collected all three. They're very good. They're coffee with lion's mane. Back to that. It supports productivity and creativity, which I think has really been helping me get it together and focus. Plus, it includes chaga, which is the king of mushrooms, they say. And right now, chaga is one of my favorite medicinal mushrooms to work with. The compounds in chaga have antioxidant properties and it plays a big role in supporting the immune system to maintain its function, which think is really great. You're probably thinking, does this coffee and these products taste like mushrooms? Gross, that'd be weird. I can guarantee it just tastes like regular coffee and the products actually taste really delicious. I don't taste mushrooms at all. And what's nice about the mushroom coffee is that it's a little bit easier on the gut. It doesn't leave me with that jittery feeling where I'm feeling kind of high and shaky and I don't crash, which is a real delight. All Four Sigmatic products are organic, vegan, and gluten-free. Every single batch is third-party tested for heavy metals, allergens, bad bacteria, yeast, molds, pesticides, the whole gang. So you know you are getting the highest quality coffee and mushrooms possible. Best of all, for Sigmatic stands behind their products unconditionally with a 100% money-back guarantee. Love every sip or get your money back. I've worked out an exclusive offer for Let It Out podcast listeners on their best-selling Lion's Mane coffee, the one I was just telling you guys about. This is just for Let It Out podcast listeners. Receive up to 39% off their best-selling Lion's Mane coffee bundles. To claim this deal, you must go to Forsigmatic.com slash Katie, K-A-T-I-E, this offer is not available on the regular website, so go to foursigmatic.com slash katie. That's foursigmati dot com slash katie, K-A-T-I-E, and fuel your productivity and creativity with some delicious mushroom coffee. Full discount applied at checkout. Thank you, Four Sigmatic. I love you so much. I'll talk to you next week with a fresh episode.